Hello and welcome to End Goals, an LCMS Youth Ministry podcast. I'm host Reverend Mark Kiesling and I'm with DCE Juliana Schultz. We're here to bring parents, church workers, and lay leaders discussions and resources to help your youth ministry meet its end goal, which is young people who are disciples of Jesus Christ for life. Today, we're going to talk about forming baptismal identity in young people. One of the biggest struggles we know is a part of adolescence, especially today, is identity formation. That's why identity is one of the key pieces of our 40 end goals, as well as something we talk about really often in youth ministry. The teen years mean finding new independence, trying out new passions and interests, and forming how they want to present themselves to the world. So looking back, Mark, are there some key people or moments that help shape your identity as a teen? Yeah, I think looking back on it, maybe start with just the obvious one of my parents that just provided continual prayer and wisdom, pointing back to Jesus and all things of life. And and with my dad being a pastor too, got to see a, kind of a front row seat of ministry playing out and how God walked through his word and sacrament and in the lives of people. And so got to see like how important that power of the gift of, of God's gift of faith is in our lives. And then certainly as being Christians too, how we get to share that with others. And so I think that was something too that always brought me back to God's presence in all things, God's promises in all things. And then how that was molding me as a young person and into an adult as well. How about you? Yeah, I mean, I think there's some simple ones uh, thinking about like, uh, especially in high school, uh, I was on the volleyball team as a freshman and then uh, tried out my sophomore year and got cut, right? And uh, then was like, okay, well, now what? And ended up getting into theater and loving that and mm-hmm. having that be a place where I met some amazing friends and developed some some skills. But also, I think the same thing as you, talking about Kind of the people that I became friends with and the way that my parents related to that, talked to me about that, helped uh, to trust me, but also Mm -hmm. to guide Mm -hmm. me Mm -hmm. as I understood who I was presenting uh, myself as in the world, Mm -hmm. right? And how that can be something that can point other people to Christ or not, (laughs) depending on how you're managing that. So yeah, I think those years are really formative and we know that in adolescence, they're trying on lots of different uh, ways of presenting themselves and how they do that can be a really important thing to be doing in youth ministry. Absolutely. And we want young people to be affirmed in their identity as a loved child of God. And we know there are a lot of messages out there for teens telling them who they should be or what they should be doing. And youth ministry can be a place where we know who we are because God has named us. We can be honest about sinfulness and we can repent and find forgiveness. We can discover vocations God has called us to. And most importantly, youth ministries can be places where teens wrestle with who they are while knowing they are deeply loved by Jesus and the people around them. So today we're talking with Cassie Moore, who wrote a four-part study about forming identity in Christ for Youth eSource. Cassie Moore is an author, an international speaker, and leadership consultant with 15 years of experience as a director of Christian education in Lutheran churches and schools, including multi-site ministries. She's the author of Authentic Youth Ministry, Straight Talk about work with working with kids, teens, and in-betweens, contributor for Connected for Life, which we've talked about on the on the podcast before, and the upcoming Jesus Survival Kit for young women. Having grown up in Illinois and Minnesota, Cassie received her undergraduate degree from Concordia University, Irvine, California, and is currently finishing her master's degree in organizational leadership at the Townsend Institute at Concordia University, Irvine. In her free time, Cassie loves dogs, chatting with friends over coffee, hiking, kayaking, and travel with her husband, Tyler. Thanks for joining us, Cassie. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. So we got to hear about you briefly in the intro, but tell us something more about your vocations, your roles in youth ministry, and other things that bring you joy. Yeah, well, thanks. There's so many things that bring me joy. And I think really being with people and getting to know people and connecting, 
that's really, that's my biggest jam. That's really the, the true passion that I have in life. And in, in all the different ministry roles I've had from working with middle schoolers to working with college students to teaching adults, there has just been an, an overarching theme of just the joy of working with God's people. And that is something that I've recently shifted a little bit into consulting and doing some coaching. And it's just, it's tremendous to see how many wonderful leaders there are out there that maybe maybe are stepping into position that's brand new or maybe have done it for a while as a volunteer and are just trying to learn kind of what it is. But to just see across the board that people love each other and people want to glorify God and what they do. And that there's just a passion for connecting with young people. I think in the face of a world that seems dark and sad sometimes, it reminds me that there's just, there's wonderful stuff out there for us to see. Awesome. Well, thank you for serving the church that way and the many roles that you have. And certainly, as you said, helping us grow in our capacity to serve young people. And certainly, I know you can tell stories from your own youth, maybe middle school and high school youth about people or situations that showed you God's love or kept you connected to Christ Church. Maybe what are some of those key ones for you when you were growing up? Yeah, I know you guys mentioned that your parents were just a, a mainstay for you. And and really, that was something my parents were just incredible role models for us. We would go to church together every Sunday. And then our tradition was we would go out to lunch somewhere and we would sit and we would just discuss, you know, yeah. life and the sermon. And my parents were just, they still are, they're fierce debaters. So <laughs> they would bring all these topics up. And, you know, it's funny, my, my younger brother is a little bit quieter than I am. So, you know, three of us would be at the table just like, vocal and sharing your thoughts and speaking up. And then my brother would just kind of be sitting there like, oh my goodness, what is wrong with these people? But, you know, it taught me this sort of this lifelong quest of going deeper in faith and always asking questions and not being afraid to wrestle with mm-hmm. with the truth and knowing that God is always there at the bottom of it. So I think my parents were a huge part of my life. I think I, I really, it's funny, I didn't have a whole lot of teachers that I really connected with. But I remember having one teacher, Mrs. Urban, when I was in high school, she just randomly one day kind of pulled up next to me and was like, hey, I'd like to have a little Bible study at lunchtime. Why don't you grab a couple of your friends and and we'll just sit down and talk. And we ended up going to her classroom. She was the math teacher. Ironically, I hated math. So I really did not want to be in her classroom. But she just, she exuded just warmth and compassion. And she asked all these questions about our lives. And We, you know, I don't even think we met that much together over the course of that year, but it was just knowing, you know, looking across the lunchroom and seeing her, you know, smile and wave at us and having her every once in a while come out and give me a hug as I went by her classroom. Just knowing that an adult was there that, that cared and cared about my faith, that, that was huge for me. Mm -hmm. Great. That's awesome. So what do you love about working with young people and their parents in your congregation and community? You know, there's so many things that I do love. I think just the diversity of all of the experiences that you encounter when you work with people. I tried to tally it up recently because somebody was was asking and I said, I don't even know how many students I've worked with, but in my career, I think I've taken about 1500 kids on mission trips. And it's just, it's crazy to think of all of the different walks of life that come together Mm -hmm. and just God's goodness throughout, just seeing how people encounter Jesus and the excitement and the joy and and even the brokenness and and the forgiveness that comes. It's just it's a really it's a beautiful experience I think to be a part of the larger church and to see how God is moving. That's great. We'll get a little bit into our study and topic for today. We talk about identity and identity formation in the lives of young people. What would you say in working with teens, where do you see them looking to form their identity? You know, I think I think I tend to see either they form their identity in strengths 
or hurts and wounds. And I think their strengths, a lot of times it's it's these self-proclaimed labels, right? Like I'm I'm a volleyball player, I'm a soccer captain, I'm a theater kid. So it's a lot of times these strengths, these activities that they're doing, or maybe it's it's the wounds, like, you know, I I'm a loner or I'm misunderstood. And even going deeper, you know, there's there's a lot of hurts that accumulate in life. And even at a really young age, you know, I see kids sort of self-describing when they're, you know, eight and nine years old. They're already starting to shift themselves into these categories. But I think I think we as Christian adults, we have the opportunity to show them that your, you know, your identity is in Christ. It's not in volleyball. It's not in soccer. A prime example, when I was in high school, I was a, I was a star soccer player and cross country runner. And I ended up like badly injuring myself and had to, had to go through two years of physical therapy. And it, it totally, I mean, it upended everything from, you know, the sports I was playing to my thoughts of what am I going to do in college and, and beyond. But really God, you know, God orchestrated that so that I, I ended up going a different direction, I think. And you know, he uses all things for good. But my identity was definitely in sports. And when I lost it, it was a tremendous mm-hmm. shift for me to try to make. You know, and I work with kids now. I think I want to make sure that they don't they don't feel the same heartache that I did, that I encountered. So as we talk about identity formation, what do you think is the... Man, I lost it again. So as you're thinking about identity formation and the places where those young people are finding their identity, why are supportive Christian adults so important to teens as they're forming their identity? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think adults are just a vessel of the Holy Spirit's work, right, of, of being loving and understanding and extending compassion and forgiveness. I think it's funny, I'm, I'm in a, a class right now, a grad class, that's it's all about neuroscience, and it's fascinating. And like just from a purely biological level, there's studies that show that actually having strong relationships, it it creates oxytocin, which it actually suppresses cortisol. So it, it like literally in your body to have strong, warm, you know, compassionate relationships, it actually physically lessens anxiety and kind of that stress that we feel. And I think it's just it's fascinating how God wired us that, you know, there's so many components of this that it's not only what we feel in our bodies, but it's what we feel in our souls and in our hearts when we have supportive people, yes. you know, and I think having for me, having people that I can be totally real with and I can express my anger and my doubts and my frustrations and my fears and, you know, I can vent and I, I don't have to watch my words. Those are the kind of people that even as an adult, I value them. And certainly, you know, as an adult, my emotions are much more regulated than than teenagers emotions. So, you know, whatever you imagine that you need as an adult Imagine teenagers right. need even more of that because they are just in a roller. And we know we've been there. Like they're in such a roller coaster of emotion. It's our chance as adults to to provide a little bit of that emotional regulation because uh, they, they need it and they need the model that we provide too. Hey, there's more and more research coming out on a lot of levels about those important of key relationships in the lives of young people for so many of those aspects of life and just the health that comes from that. And so thankful for so many people listening to this podcast that step into those roles as parents, as teachers, as lay youth workers, as church workers who are supporting young people. And just so thankful for the way that you are, again, caring for young people. In that study, you have a youth look at scripture to talk about the values God wants people to reflect and who they are as his children. And you have them look at where their gifts and skills are. 
How does helping you think critically about both their character as Christians and at their abilities help them to form their identity? Yeah, I think that thinking critically is, it's an essential part of our identity as Christians. You know, God gave us the brains that we have. And I think everybody wrestles with really who are we and and what is our purpose? Every person that you encounter in life, whether it's the person behind the, you know, the Starbucks line or it's the, you know, person in the car in front of you, they're asking those questions. You know, who am I? Who am I? What is my purpose? And our teenagers are asking those questions too, you know, in our preteens as well. And I think I've come to the point where I realize that God gifted us uniquely to glorify him, but it takes a lifetime to unwrap that gift. And we shouldn't expect that we have all the answers when we're 18 or 25 or 35. I think it's a lifetime process to just discover what our gifts are and what our passions and our interests are and and knowing that sometimes they change and sometimes you know God may use us in one season in a certain way and and he has another adventure lined up for us in front of us and part of that part of that step in life is to take that step with confidence and know that you know sometimes God is lighting that path right in front of you and you don't always know where you're going but you know that you're walking forward and you're not alone and I think that we have the chance to to really share that with young people, because there is a tremendous amount of fear and anxiety, you know, and you guys, I know you guys are in the world of youth ministry. The studies on anxiety are just Mm -hmm. frankly alarming. The mental health for students is just, it is like nothing I have ever experienced before. And it's, it's prevalent. It's everywhere. I kind of laugh with my, with my leaders. Like, I feel like I could sit down and talk to any teenager, like anybody, you know, put any kid in front of me that's never talked to me. I think probably they would be crying in about five minutes. If you got them to open up about the things that are going on, there's just that much sort of some mental anguish in the air. So yeah, I think I think it is really a wonderful time to be invested in youth. I think it's a critical time. And mm-hmm. I think it's time for them to just really understand who they are in Christ and and what the purpose is for them having those gifts that they have. Yeah, I just... I with you in that I I know you and I have talked about this in the past, really, just the the critical thing that is happening right now with our young people and their mental health, Mm -hmm. right? And the level of anxiety they feel. And and I do think part of it, and and you hit on this a little bit, is that they're starting to think about what they're going to do, not just in high school, but in in middle school, right? right? We have such high expectations for them. and, And they're just trying to figure things out. But you'd see middle schoolers who are like, I don't know where I want to go to college. You're like, what? you yeah. shouldn't yet. That's not a, yep. or I don't know X, Y, or Z. I don't know what I, mm-hmm. what I want to do. And you're like, that's okay. Right. I think that's kind of what I, I hear you say. Like, you know, that's, that's all right. And how do we help them walk through that? And you talk a little bit about this in one of your studies and that you're saying, you know, you're going to fail. There's some, a level of failure we're going to expect. You're going to take a next step and it's not going to be the right one. Right. And you're going to have to, to figure out that. So how is forming a healthy Christian identity a way for youth to help deal with failure and sin that happens in their life? Oh boy, I feel like I could say a lot about this because I I struggle myself. I struggle with perfectionism. And I think that that's a it's a very real temptation, especially in this culture now that our young people are in that every time they get online, you know, their phone is in their hand all the time and every time they look online, it's it's beautiful people in beautiful places doing things that are much more exciting than walking to science class, right? So <laughs> There's a culture that is just built up that it makes you feel like you're missing out. You know, we talk about FOMO, but 
it really is this kind of culture around our students right now that it just, it feels like you are not cutting it and everybody else is handling life better than you. And, and we know as adults, that is not true, but we are not exempt from that temptation either. I, I told you guys a quote, I told you I have this on my wall in my office at home, but it's a John Steinbeck quote from East of Eden, but it says, and you don't have, and now that you don't have to be perfect, you can be good. And I just, I love that quote because it reminds me, I, I don't have to be perfect. Perfection is not attainable, right? Because only Jesus was perfect, but I can, I can be good and I can, I can be comfortably myself. I can be Cassie and I can be fine with that. And I think failure, I, failure is a really difficult reality for, for kids, especially if their parents have always really protected them from, you know, forgetting their lunch or, oh, you forgot your math homework, so I'm going to race it to the school so you don't get in trouble. Mm -hmm. The reality is we we fail and we learn from failure and it's a good lesson. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's it's something it's good to experience, but it's still it's still very difficult. I think I was talking to a, a 25-year-old graduate, college graduate, just a couple of weeks ago. And he said, you know, it's really hard to be my age because my parents could get a job and they could bungle it and they could get fired and, you know, it could be really messy and nobody would ever know other than maybe like their family mm -hmm. because nobody, mm -hmm. nobody knows. But right. now, you know, it's public, <clears throat> it's on Facebook, it's on, you know, TikTok, like everybody knows if I fail. So it's, it's, I've got to, I got to do everything right. And I just told him that's an incredible amount of pressure to have on yourself because you're not going to be bringing your A game every day all the time. So, you know, you got to let go and, and realize that you're human and that God's love does not change for you even when you do fail, but you will fail. So expect that. Along those lines, talking about lessons that get learned uh, through life experience, again, being ideally supported by caring parents and other people in their lives, you get to talk about going through different storms as part of the study. What are maybe the roles that you see struggles playing, both good and bad, in how youth form their identity? Yeah, I think struggles, it's that sense of being refined by fire, right? You you clarify, fire clarifies, and it, it sometimes burns away the things that shouldn't be there, but it also refines and strengthens other parts of you. And I think that as you go through struggles, and certainly I've had my fair share in life, as we all have, I think that you learn things about yourself because, you know, this study is all about identity. I've certainly learned more about myself through struggles and realizing what I what I don't stand for or what I don't want to be a part of or what I really am interested in and what it what really is my passion and what you know, what fires me up? Those are the kind of things you learn as you as you struggle. And it's a valuable lesson. It's it's not without pain and it's not without leaving scars sometimes, but it's still something that I think can be used to really to really strengthen us. There's this quote by this Spanish poet that I love. And it says, Traveler, there is no path. The path must be forged as you walk. And I think of that a lot because I think that, you know, we we walk forward and sometimes we think that. There should be a certain trajectory to our life that we should be going a, a certain direction. And, you know, I'm going to hit this goal by the time I'm 30 and this goal by the time I'm 50 and I'm going to own a house and I'm going to have 2.1 kids and four dogs. And, you know, well, OK, four dogs because I love dogs. It's a lot of dogs. <laughs> That's <insane. laughs> I'm sorry. I, I love dogs. I could have 10 dogs and be happy. But, you know, we, we think in life that we need to be hitting these benchmarks. And I think maybe God, God creates the path for us that it twists and turns, but 
we are growing every step of that path. We are being Mm -hmm. strengthened and he is certainly walking with us. And maybe that's the message that we need to tell our students right now that, you know, it's besides, besides all the success that you're, you're trying to go after, it's good to expect failure and to know that the road is unexpected, but you know, we have a a God that never lets you down. He is with you every step of the way and you're going to be fine. Cassie, are you seeing in, in the young people you're working with, and this is just a speculation, so that they, you said earlier that they're identifying with their wounds, that we're seeing from our culture mm-hmm. this call to be wounded and make that a huge part of your identity that prevents healing, maybe. Mm-hmm. Are you seeing that a little bit in the young people you're working with? And how might something like your study help us deal with something like that? I would say I am seeing that. And I think there are pros and cons. You know, when we talk about the younger generation, on the one hand, it's it's wonderful that they are speaking up about the things that they feel anguish on. You know, other generations have maybe been taught to stuff that down and don't talk about that. And I'm glad to hear what's on their minds and what's really, really bothering them. On the other hand, you know, especially younger ages, they are prone to obsessively thinking about things and it, it can become a problem. It can become a part of their identity where they just cannot untangle from this kind of, I think of like a kind of a whirlpool. They are just circling around these issues over and over again. And unfortunately, the world we live in, they don't always get outside perspective. They go online and they're talking to their friends or they're self-diagnosing, looking at online. And it's a really dangerous trap for young people. And I think that's as adults, you know, boy, God uses us to break through that because we don't need to come into that with judgment. We can come in with very open minds and, and open hearts, but sometimes they need to hear, you know, hey, I, I felt that way when I was your age too. And maybe that's all you say. And they start to ask questions of you and they start to open up. And I think, I think that is probably the best way to come into this as adults who care, to just approach it without judgment, you know, without being condemning without wanting to dominate with your stories, but to just say, Hey, I've, I've been there. I felt lonely too. Yeah. I really struggled in middle school too. So tell me about it and let them come to you with their questions because that is, you know, this generation is very open with the things that they struggle with. They want to talk about it. So if you give them that platform, they will for sure, they will be there and they will use it. I think that's really helpful, especially as they are, like you said, are more willing to talk about it, more willing to be open about it. But how do we help push them towards wholeness and healing in Christ rather than than letting them kind of stay in that spot? I love how you end the studies by talking about how we have identity in community, not just as individuals. Because I think it's really easy for us to, to think about identity as something that's just purely for ourselves. That's not really how God talks about it. How can we help youth think about their identity as baptized children of God as more than just for themselves, but as a part of who God wants them to be in their vocations? Yeah, I think community, it's such a source of pain, but it's also a source of blessing. And I, I always look to the example of, of Jesus himself, and I think of how many times that he was, you know, misunderstood and ridiculed and people didn't get it, but he continued to engage with people and and even the people that the rest of society would overlook. And I think I think that this is something that as a Christian, it's part of our vocation to to realize we are one part of a bigger community and that our community 
even if it's hurt us before, even if we have our headaches with it, it's a part of of how God created us to be, to be with other people. And I think especially Gen Z, you know, this younger generation is very self-focused and they don't even realize how self-focused they are. But we have the opportunity to to lift their eyes out of their phones, away from their, you know, their social media accounts and lift it out into others. And that's why things like, you know, taking mission trips and doing service projects and going on retreats, I think those things, it breaks the pattern of just sort of thinking about yourself all of the time. And it reminds us that we are, we're a vital part of the community of Christ. We need each other. And even if we have been been hurt, you know, you hear a lot about people disentangling from the church right now. I think that that is something we're going to see more of in the in this church body, young people that maybe are trying to get to really the depth of who Christ is and what it means to be a Christian. And they're, I think that's a positive in a lot of ways. They're not just listening to, you know, maybe what they've always heard growing up or, you know, what they, what they hear online. They're really seeking truth for themselves. And, you know, Christ is at the, at the end of every question in my life. So I'm confident that they're going to find the truth that they need. And part of that is being willing to have those conversations together as a community. You know, I think, I think it's in some of the stuff that you guys have written that young people studies show that if you're as a church, even if you're willing to go into the difficult topics, mm-hmm. and even if they don't agree with the answers that you have, they are more loyal to that church body and to that, that youth leader or that pastor because they're willing to engage in the tough stuff. I think that that's something we need to remember that community is about openness too. So we have to be open with each other. And we have to remember that our young people are just as much a part of this community as all of our other members. So we need to value them. That is so much. I mean, we think about information age, the different situation our young people are going through, the questions that they have that are, I thought, in so many ways, deeper than what I was certainly dealing with when I was a young person and all the aspects of life that they see coming together for them and where the church can be that place to increase our capacity, to have a place where they can come ask those questions. I hear about God's forgiveness for them and their, and uh, God's love for them and Jesus is such an important thing and what a blessing it is when churches rally around that and understand that. I think I have that depth of understanding of what our young people are actually going through and to be that place and the care for them. So just thank you again so much for the study that you put together. Great way to walk through. Look at those different aspects of identity, those key relationships that are the lives of young people, always pointing them back to Jesus through all of that. So maybe as a wrap up, what are some words of encouragement you'd like to give to adult leaders who are thinking about using your study with young people? Words of encouragement for leaders. I think young people need us more than ever. Certainly, I remember being a teenager very well, and it was it was a difficult time. Even though, you know, a lot of that I hid from others, there was a tremendous amount of pain and frustration and questions that I had. And I look at today's teenagers and I see all of that and I see more. So I think Young people need us, and we have an opportunity as adults to to listen more than we talk, to be open, to be available, to not go in with judgment or with frustration, but to just ask a lot of questions and say, you know, hey, tell me, tell me what this is like for you. Um, it's amazing how much people open up when mm-hmm. you come in with a a truly authentic, humble, teachable spirit. They open up. They they just sort of pour out a lot to you. And I laugh like I, I have always, as I said at the beginning of this, I love people. I, I've always connected with people, but I have been on, I can't tell you how many airline <laughs> flights where I've sat down next to somebody and just really come in with that non-judgmental sort of like, tell me about yourself, like what's going on. It, 
I have multiple times ended up with the person next to me just sitting and crying and telling me about something difficult that they're going through. And I think that this is our moment in this in this culture, in this unique time. We have the opportunity to to share the love of Christ by being good listeners and by being being willing to hear. We're in this kind of fast-paced world right now, but maybe we are called to just slow down and to mm-hmm. ask questions and to listen to each other and to to share our stories. Maybe that is the the best witness that we can have at this unique moment in time and especially with our teenagers. So that would be my encouragement to to other leaders, just listen. Ask a lot of questions. Don't don't tell your own stories. I always tell my leaders, you know, try to limit your own storytelling to maybe a minute tops, but ask a lot more questions. You know, I I really seek to to teach about 25% of the time and talk about 25% of the time. And I let my students really have 75% of the time to talk and to ask questions and to process because we know that's that's how they learn best. So um, talk and listen and be there. That's my best advice. That's awesome. Thanks so much for joining us, Cassie. Hopefully everybody can jump in and, and check out that study. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Thanks, Cassie. Well, appreciate Cassie taking the time to write that study. Um, one that certainly obviously points to our some practice of healthy youth ministry, 40 end goals of talking about identity, who we are, um, just all those things that are able to speak God's truth and God's word into the lives of young people to remind them who they are in Christ, uh, what we receive in our baptism, and those many ways that God has equipped us and strengthened us to live our faith out into our world against some of those storms and against some of that pushback that young people are facing. And we know that even as adults or what we face growing up too, that is there. And to be supportive adults in the middle of all that is really such a blessing in our ministry. Yeah, and it's crazy to be able to look back on your own identity formation in those teen years. Mm-hmm. And like Cassie said, to think about all of the ways that you struggled, uh, the places that you asked hard questions mm-hmm. or maybe listened to voices that that weren't biblical, that weren't God. And in you even struggled a little bit with those things. And to think back to the adults, like we yep. talked about our parents, Cassie talked about our parents. I think people talk about other supportive adults as well, who really, as she talked about it, were the vessels of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. to, to speak who God says we are mm-hmm. back to those young people. Um, and so many young people today have so many more voices. Right. Speaking into well, those things. Yeah, I was thinking in her one response and thankful for people who have stepped into this void of those young people who are kind of in that cycle of where they have a lot of those other voices and maybe don't have the support at home, don't have support in other places of their life. And maybe we don't even see the despair and things that they're going through because of what they're listening to, um, of those untruths that Satan will tell us about who we are. Um, and so thankful for those adult leaders who can maybe find those students on the fringe who maybe don't aren't responding the way we always want them to. They're not perfect in worship. They maybe uh, don't show the joy that we want them to do at all the times in life. And it's because they're dealing with hard things. Um, and so thank you for taking that time to reach into the lives of those young people and to break that cycle of, of untruths and of Satan's words against them to be able to remind them who they are in Jesus and the love that God has for them and the love that is shown there right in front of them and you and other people in their life uh, to point them again who they are, that they are beloved child of God. Yeah, I love uh, talking to adult leaders now, and and I think, as Cassie pointed out, I think there are lots of ways in which this generation um, is really good at putting on an excellent front, mm-hmm. right? If you look at their social media, you're talking to them casually in the narthex, and they're getting it's going to look like everything's okay, right? It's going to look like they're doing just fine, but really, you spend some time with them, you're honest with them, 
you genuinely listen to them, uh, break down some of those walls and you'll very easily see a lot of hurt, a Mm -hmm. lot of uh, failure, a lot of um, struggle uh, that we can bring hope and forgiveness (laughs) and um, words of comfort that they're not going to get anywhere else. And so I really want uh, youth leaders to be thinking about how are we talking about some of these things? How are we listening well Mm -hmm. in some of these things to young people in our youth groups? So one thing that's been effective, I think, is it might sound simple, but even just coming up with what are those scriptural things? What are those parts of maybe the liturgy? What are those parts of our baptismal life that even you repeat to each other on a regular basis? And that God works through those things as a reminder. Um, You know, I had a seminary professor who you'd ask, how are you doing? He'd say, or I'm baptized. Like, hey, all right. <laughs> it's like, so everything's going to be okay because of that. Um, right. What are those ways right. that we can continually encourage each other uh, through God's word and his word for us um, and just our everyday relationships? And really that comes in community, right? Mm-hmm. Often yep. community is made for those things right. to be able to help us to form uh, that healthy Christ-centered identity by reminding each other um, of who we are and not be so focused on on ourselves and our own thoughts, but, but hearing that from a multitude of other people. Mm-hmm. So many great things to think about here, but some closing questions for us to consider. Uh, first, how are you connecting teens with supportive adults who can help share their experiences um, and help those young people regulate some emotion? How are you helping young people think critically and biblically about their identity? And how are you listening to young people well to hear how they're struggling and how they're positively forming their identity? We will continue to keep you in our prayers as you walk with teens who are forming their identity. May God use your vocation to help them to see who they are in Christ and how they can trust their identity in Him. Engel's podcast is a production of LCMS Youth Ministry and KFUO Radio. To find out more about LCMS Youth Ministry or to find links to resources mentioned, go to kfuo.org slash youth ministry. Thank you for listening and caring for the young people of our church.